Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is the Attack on Titan special event. In honor of the epic conclusion to the show that defines this generation of anime, we're reviewing every single episode of the final season. This week for our double review, we're reviewing episode 74, Soul Salvation. As always, it'll be spoilers about anything that's happened previously in Attack on Titan, so you've been warned. Hopefully you're joining us um, immediately after listening to the previous Attack on Titan review for episode 73. Um, as we shared in that episode, this set of episodes 73 and 74 were delayed because of the earthquake that happened in Japan. So to mirror kind of what MAPPA decided to do, um, they aired 73 and 74 in the same day back to back. We're doing our reviews for those two episodes back to back here. So we won't take up too much time kind of resharing those things. Um, if you haven't listened to the episode 73 review, go to that first before you listen to this one. Otherwise, it'll probably spoil everything for that previous episode. And let's jump right into episode 74. Yeah, for this episode, I guess for 73 and 74, being an unintended double feature or double fisting. <laughs> double fisting? That's <laughs> um, coming up in my head. Um, I'm running Why out. is that coming up I in your know. head? I know it's pretty late because yeah, we're jumping from one one episode to another. <laughs> yeah, I'm running on coffee, guys. But, um, but yeah, for this being an unintentional double feature, I feel like the second episode from this past weekend really goes hand in hand with the first um, episode 73. Uh Obviously, we're given more context to the follow-up between Zeke and his parents, with this being a flashback episode. And I know we saw it previously from Aaron's perspective, or technically from Grisha's perspective, when Aaron was looking into his father's memories um, back in season three, right? Yeah. Um, but this time, we're seeing everything from Zeke's perspective. And I guess while it kind of does provide clarity for and i'm going to kind of paraphrase the office here why zeke is the way that he is um learning about his plans to save the so-called eldian empire were a lot more twisted than i thought um and i think learning more about zeke in this episode kind of falls into that trope of you know getting so much exposition about a character that the assumption is they're probably going to die soon um although I guess in this episode, Zeke's fate is kind of ambiguous um, at the very end. But what what did you think of the episode? Um, all I have to say right off the bat is that the root cause of all of this drama is bad parenting. <laughs> I think that's the moral of the story here, folks. If you have bad parenting, you have shitty kids, and then they want to somehow destroy the world. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, Grisha had two chances to get it right right but <laughs> and let's he... hope at the end of the story at least one of them was a success yeah the other thing is not levi god damn it i know they've been toying with your emotions the last couple episodes <laughs> they with levi. have and you know i've always had that this like overhanging feeling of dread that you know i think levi's gonna kick the bucket this season um and i think i just took levi's plot armor for granted but you know, as I said, the way things have transpired in these past episodes just made me think that he is going to have a grim fate. And it's weird because it almost follows like the trajectory of Commander Erwin's life, um, his superior, where he kind of grew weary from a battle that's looking more and more impossible to win. 
Um, but still seeing my boy's unconscious body fly through the air was very upsetting. And I'm sure our friends, Kevin and Jason are probably laughing at me right now. Um, cause they know how much I simp for Levi as much as they simp for peak, but still, it's, it's still something that I can't, or I strugg I'm struggling to process. So I know that was a pretty nasty cliffhanger. Like a really bad cliffhanger, yeah. and I don't like cliffhangers in general. And that was that was a bad one. But we'll we'll have to see. Uh, before we dive into the synopsis, I have one quick question. We get introduced to, I guess, technically got introduced to Casaver, um, Casaver, um, in the last episode. You said it sounded like Casava, right? <laughs> yeah, Casava for all the Filipinos out there. Um, but I was looking at some some stuff about him trying to avoid spoilers but just getting a little more context on him from this episode um uh when i was googling some shit and i saw that an alternative way of writing his name is x a v e r almost like xavier mm -hmm. but more like xaver so now i'm wondering i don't you know how like jaeger is spelled either with a j or with a y depending on if you're a manga reader or if you're an anime person um i'm wondering if like his pronunciation is actually Xaver, not Kasaver, but they... It's just the Japanese yeah. way of pronouncing. So I don't know. I mean, it sounds like they're saying Kasaver, so I guess I'll stick with that. Um, but who knows? Maybe that'll change when I hear other people say it. <laughs> or I don't, also don't know if it's like if there's a meaning behind Xaver, because I know like Jaeger comes from a German word. I'm pretty sure it means hunter. Um but I don't know if Xaver also has its own context, which can provide, I guess, meaning behind who Xaver is as a person. But I think that's just diving a little bit too deep. But something else we should dive into is the synopsis for Attack on Titan, Episode 74, Soul Salvation. As Zeo lies in abdominal pain due to Levi's poor babysitting skills, he reflects on his life leading up to this very moment. He recalls how he and his parents faced harsh treatment in Marley for their Eldian heritage, and how he in turn faced harsh treatment from his parents, pushing him to exceed in his warrior candidate training despite his F-tier ranking, as they secretly hoped to use Zeo as a tool in their Eldian restorationist cause. Zeo eventually befriends Titan researcher and wielder of the Beast Titan, Tom Xaver. Xaver? Xaver? Xaver. Okay, I have to remember. Tom Xaver. And they share a father-son bond through the great national pastime of baseball. After discovering his parents' membership with the Eldia Illuminati, Zio is urged by Kasavar to turn them in to avoid death by pure Titan, and their relationship draws ever closer. Years later, as Kasavar is nearing the end of his Titan term, he informs Zeke of the founding Titan's ability to manipulate Eldian DNA and how to get around its anti-war mechanism established by King Fritz. He entrusts Zeo as the inheritor of his Beast Titan to find a suitable partner that would help him save the Eldian people by giving them vasectomies and sending them into extinction. And of course, we know that Zeo has found his partner in his younger half-brother, Aaron Jaegermeister, and during their secret meeting during the latter's infiltration of Marley, we learn that he has grown to renounce Grisha's brainwashing as much as Zeo did in his childhood. Great minds kill alike, I suppose. Zio wraps up his daydream by invoking his father figure's name and detonating the thunder spear that made a home in his stomach, 
setting off a massive explosion that sends low-rise Levi to a high-rise level along with my anxiety and stress. If Levi dies, I riot. Zeke's whole plan is just giving away free vasectomies. Like, you get a vasectomy, (laughs) and you get a vasectomy, and you get a vasectomy. But this whole episode is his big-ass backstory and the full explanation for why he betrayed his parents, ratted them out as restorationists, and what his actual plan is. And I'm very glad that we have a better understanding of Zeke's motivations and everything that influenced the person that he is today. I know a lot of people dislike Zeke, but I've always somewhat liked him and at some times even rooted for him to end up being a good character, mostly so I can see Team Jaeger brothers come together. Um, but th- this was very helpful to have this this knowledge, this better understanding of the one of the most ambiguous characters um, in the show. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that you know they didn't leave Zeke as a sort of one-dimensional villain, um, and you know I think at the beginning of this um, series that we did on Attack on Titan, we were always saying like we don't want to sympathize with any of these Marlin folk, but in this case, like you really do start to understand like why or how Zeke was being mentally tortured by his parents, and the immense pressure that they put on him to be like a very integral part of the restorationist cause for them to put so much pressure on a child like it's obvious like he was not going to to be happy with that decision yeah like right off of the bat in the the opening for this episode we um see zeke with his parents and grisha says to him zeke you're going to save everyone like imagine having the weight of the entire world placed on your shoulders like that when all you want to do is play baseball it's just crazy that that's too much pressure for for one kid um and and it just feels like grisha and dina are so absorbed by their goal that they're willing to kind of sacrifice or do anything to make it happen Um, And in the beginning, so the whole episode does a great job of telling Zeke's story in the way that Zeke saw everything kind of unfold. Like in the beginning, he seems very happy and and seems loved and, and like his parents care about him and want to protect him. But as the episode goes on, as he's realizing his parents are kind of fucking crazy and have some, you know, suspect motives. Um, we're also kind of seeing that unfold at the same time. So I love the way that this was all kind of portrayed by Isayama. Like, for example, in the beginning, I think after the opening plays, um, Grisha and Dina are with Zeke, and he's kind of telling them about, I don't know, uh, being going to his, like, warrior training or whatever. And they say to him, like, he's going to be successful because he has, you know, special abilities and because he's their son. And on the surface, this seems like, you know, innocent encouragement from two loving parents but really, Zeke was probably born with the sole intent of liberating the Eldians. Um, that's probably the, the only reason that they had him. And his special ability, quote unquote, is probably just his royal blood. Mm. So it just kind of seems like, um, again, earlier on, he felt like these are things that, you know, loving parents say to you. But then he realizes kind of what they actually meant behind it and questions if they really do care about him as their son. But it's more so just him being used as a tool. Right, which I guess feeds into his whole philosophy of why he wants to sterilize, I guess, the Eldian population. So not only so they can stop with their violent tendencies and basically go extinct, um, but I guess to not be used as, again, as as tools for for other people to manipulate. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I've always been very confused as to why Zeke claims that he cares for Eldians and is doing everything to save them, but then doesn't hesitate or feel remorse when he kills them. And Levi's mm-hmm. called him out multiple times on this. Like you say you care, but you know, you, you won't hesitate to kill anyone or you don't have any remorse when you do kill somebody. It's because Zeke believes that by killing them, he is saving them, saving them from all the suffering. And that is fucked up. Yeah. That is so fucked up. And I think it's a direct correlation to um, his upbringing and the fact that he's a very confused guy. And that whole thing about him believing in the euthanasia to kind of kill off the Eldian population, it reminded me of the second Avengers movie, um, Age of Ultron, where I think Ultron was built um, in order to protect humanity, but you know through his own thinking, and logic he deemed that humanity's greatest threat was itself and so that's why he went on to uh to kind of destroy humanity until the avengers got in the way sorry if i spoiled that for anybody <laughs> um but you see a similar situation here with zeke um and it's kind of like the absolute final solution to this eldian question and you know it, that being a reference to what the Nazis did during World War II. It's like a very fascist ideology. Um, And you don't even give humanity a choice by basically taking away their freedom in order for them to actually have freedom. It's like very, what is it? Like almost like an oxymoron, I guess. Yeah, and I was kind of thinking about um, kind of like why he would come to this conclusion given that there are like other alternatives out there that people are pursuing. And I think it's one of the the great ways that we're kind of shown um, why he's come up with this like weird kind of like third option to saving humanity is the stark contrast that we get in this episode between Zeke's grandparents and his parents teaching him about the same story and what it means to become a warrior. Um, obviously, they have very opposite viewpoints on that that particular story and, and Marley and Eldians and all of that. And then you get a third perspective brought into the mix through Kasaver. And he was force fed all of these ideas and these beliefs that he at this point doesn't know what's right and what's wrong. And I think that's kind of how he comes to that conclusion. Like everyone's saying that on one side the Eldians are right and on the other side, um, you know, Marley is right or the rest of the world is right. But having this blend of everything kind of in his brain, he's come up with this weird third option of like, let's just not have people have kids anymore and then mm. we'll all just disappear and then everything will be great. <laughs> but I, I was kind of wondering though, if the founding Titan can rewrite anatomy so Eldians can't have kids, couldn't they just rewrite it so that they don't have Titan powers anymore? I guess that's the fourth option. Oh, yeah, isn't kind of <laughs> adding more options to the mix. Like, did anyone think about that piece of it? Mm-hmm. But I think also it's just, you know, the assumption that the Eldians are these violent people. And, you know, besides them becoming their pure Titan forms, we've seen time and again that Eldians are really no different from anyone else. They just want to live their lives. Um, And I think it's the world not understanding that that kind of puts, puts this twisted option that Zeke has into play. Um, because no one wants to, I guess, be diplomatic about how they should approach the aliens or 
the Eldians wanting to show the world that they're not terrible people. Yeah, that's a good point that even if they were able to remove the Titan powers or, or kind of solve this issue without getting rid of Eldians, the rest of the world would not be willing or at least not easily willing to accept them at that point just because of everything. Like they, I think in the flashback that we got of the scouts um, working on the railroad, I'm like about to hear the, the song in my head. I've been working on the railroad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I think it was either Mikasa or Armin comments like, oh, you know, why can't they just accept us? Why can't we just go talk to them? Um, and then someone else is like, well, they, they fear us because they don't understand us. Mm-hmm. Um, and to ask the entire world to unbelieve everything that they believe so that they can maybe try to peacefully coexist with Eldians. Like it just, I think Zeke maybe sees that as a fruitless, um, a fruitless option for, for that race. But like, why not pursue that option instead of this genocidal answer to everything? Yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a good question. Um, I don't know. He's fucked in the head, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess because you know Marley is is too aggressive to to accept that stance too. Um, but I guess on the flip side, with this whole euthanasia thing, I guess Eldians were already thinning their numbers anyways because they were attacking Titans being sent to their island. Um, so Zeke's plan is basically in motion, which even a very odd sort of way if you think about it. Another way you can think about it is you know. I think these past two episodes have been grasping at the concept of freedom for the aliens, or I guess throwing that into question a lot. And my conclusion is, after hearing Willie Tiber's play, like King Fritz was probably the closest to being correct in giving the aliens true freedom, even if it was at the cost of the truth, because they were basically isolated on this island and would have lived peacefully had not Marley just sent Titans over to to decimate them even more. Yeah, um, and I think that Aaron kind of grapples with that from time to time. Like, you know, we're stuck inside these walls. The the king is kind of a fucked up guy, but at the same time, like, he sees the atrocities that are happening outside there, and he, I don't know, sometimes I feel like he has pause on, on kind of what his overall plan of action is here. I also like how the opening shot of the episode is of Liberio from that, I guess, bell tower. And it's very reminiscent of, you know, the three walls of Paradise. So it's almost like two different sides of the same coin. Um, Oh, yeah, you're right. It did look like Paradise. Yeah, because it was was built as like a circle. Um, And, you know, as, as much as like, I think Grisha argues that they're they're living in a birdcage that's closed to the outer world um they're i don't know in a way like they're they're still somewhat free within liberio as as odd as that sounds but i don't know maybe i'm just contradicting myself or or... well they they seem on the surface they seem safe right like oh you're inside these protected walls you're, you're okay blah 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 but really i mean they have no freedoms they have no um like I'm sure they're even still controlled to a certain degree inside of the walls. Like they can't just kind of do whatever the fuck they want. Um, and I think part of that is why the propaganda is pushed so hard in that area, and why it's so bad to speak up against um, up against Marley because it would it would be easy enough for someone to find out about that because they are so heavily monitored. So really, they never have any true privacy, I imagine, or or true um, freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. And then even if you venture outside of those walls and you go over to Paradise, like they're also, they also share the same sentiment of being trapped in these walls. So is, it's like 
either way you go, either east or west or north or south, you're going to be faced with the same dilemma of whether or not you actually have true freedom. I do want to comment that even though Zeke seems really fucked in the head just because of the the upbringing that he has or had, um, he's still a very intelligent person. And I think that's his forte. Like, it's clear in this episode that he's never been an athletic or physically superior individual. And he actually tends to avoid conflict or at least tries to, like, please others to keep everything calm. And he's almost okay or content with kind of just sitting in the walls and living his life in Liberio as long as, you know, nothing kind of happens. Um, so other than his throwing arm, which is great for both baseball and for his beast Titan, his skills really lie with his intellect and his ability or maybe like inability to discern between all the crap that he was taught and, and figure out the best possible outcome for everyone. Like he, even though this, this third option that he's come up with is fucking weird. Like he is committed to it to the point where he's gotten other people brainwashed, specifically Yelena and then her being able to brainwash everyone to follow along with the plan. Not not that anyone else really knows about the full plan except for Yelena. Um, but I mean, you have to be some level of intelligent to craft this type of plan where you're like double, triple, quadruple timing everybody just so that you can get to your end goal. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, I would say that Zeke is a unique villain in that sense because you're, I guess, in a lot of these shows, I don't know if this is common in a lot of anime, but like you're always expecting um, just the big brawny guy to be the villain where it's here, it's more of Zeke's brains that that give him credence to his villainous nature. And I like that in this episode, we finally see where like Zeke gets all of that um, ideology and philosophy and it's through Xaver. And if you notice, it's like Zeke's Beast Titan ability to basically throw fastballs is because he played catch with Xaver and developed that relationship with him. Um, so it's nice to kind of see the context of why the Beast Titan is able to throw these, I don't know if they're like 100 mile per hour fastballs or like They're why. probably like 1,000 miles yeah. per hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, but understanding like why he has these baseball stances is because he played catch with Xaver. And I like how as much as like Zeke is kind of like an unexpected villain, but more so on the intellectual side, Xaver is kind of like an unexpected mentor figure for him. Um, Cause like as much as Zeke is a calm person, he's very silently ruthless um, because of, again, of his calm and collected composure. Um, or I'm sorry, because Salver is a, has a very calm and collected composure and never really exhibits a combative nature. Um, although you see that a little bit more with Zeke. So it's interesting that Zeke looked up to him as a mentor, but I think it's because, you know, Grisha was a shitty father. Um, and so he found solace in in Salver filling that void in his life. Honestly, all of Zeke's parental figures were kind of fucked up. Like Grisha and Dina, obviously, as we've seen in this episode, were really fucked up and basically birthed him and used him for their own goals, which understandably were goals that would, you know, bring about freedom for an entire race of people. But damn, again, that's a lot of pressure to put on one kid. Mm -hmm. um, his grandparents, as we saw in Grisha's flashback episode, I don't know if that was like season three. Or yeah. Se yes, season three. Um, they were extremely brainwashed by propaganda to the point where like it drove a huge wedge between them and their children. And then Cassavra, like, 
I I think he's probably the best option of these three options, but I still find him to be like a questionable person. Um, I mean, he told Zeke to rat out his parents, and I get that he was trying to save Zeke, but damn, like he did not hesitate. He was kind of like a chicken in that moment. <laughs> like mm. he was freaking out for Zeke. Um, you get that close-up shot of Cassaver's face, and he his eyes are just like bugging out. And without hesitation, he just tells Zeke, like, rat your parents out. There, he doesn't even try to think of another option. He just says, rat them out. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, it's that's weird advice to give to a child about their own parents. Although Cassaver was kind of right. Like, uh, Grisha and Dina really weren't great parents to Zeke because um, they were just using him as a, a means to their end. So Yeah, but at the same time, like their end goal is a noble one. As fucked mm. up as their, their methods are, their end goal is a noble one. So I imagine that Cassava is probably like a, a Gabby where he's really kind of brainwashed by the propaganda because I just think it was crazy that he was freaking out even though Zeke wasn't freaking out when he was telling him all this information. I mean, he did give him good advice about it being stupid to... Um, shorten your life for Marley and, and their war by taking on, you know, one of the nine Titans. Um, but overall, like Cassaver, as we learned about him in this episode, seemed like a person who would pre- would protect himself first over others. Like he even admits to obtaining the Beast Titan just to run away from his sins. Um, so I just feel like, again, he's not a great parental figure for Zeke, but he is the best option out of the three options that Zeke has. Mm-hmm. I also found it, of course, interesting that Cassaver talks about his Beast Titan not being useful in war, so he just focuses on Titan research instead. This explains why Zeke knows so much about Titans um, more than Marleans do. I think somebody comments, maybe it was Aaron, um, comments at some point this season that he it knows... It was the last episode. Oh, was it? Yeah, during the his table discussion. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, so he even says that like Zeke knows more than, than Marley does about Titans. This is why he knows so much. Um, I'm really curious to know what Cassaver's Beast Titan looks like. Um, I think we, we kind of already know at this point that each of the Beast Titan wielders has a different animal form. And I, I think there's a fan theory out there that his was like a sheep or a ram or something. Because in the flashback of his wife and kid, you know, dying, <laughs> there's like this sheep that's sitting there on the shelf on the shelf the sheep on the shelf (laughs) (laughs) so people are are assuming that maybe that's um a nod to what his his titan is and i i can't imagine though that it would be like not useful in war with those fucking horns can't you go on like ram a bunch of tanks or something but is it sheep or rams that have horns uh whatever that (laughs) stuffed animal was had had Wait, did it have horns? I thought it had I, horns, yeah, it right? Yeah, it had horns. Okay, so, so maybe it's a ram. a ram. Although a sheep would make sense because Salver's kind of sheepish. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe we'll get a, a glimpse of it in a later episode. That makes me want to look back at, I think it was the OP for season two, where we see the Beast Titan running in the field with all these other creatures. Oh, yeah. And, like, we were all confused by it, but none of, like, like all the other subtle spoilers that Isayama gives us, we all kind of looked at it and we were like, what the fuck is that? But never bothered to question it. Yeah. Now we know. <laughs> so, yeah, I want to see if we see a sheep among those creatures. I do remember seeing, like, a T-Rex. Though. Yeah, there's a fucking dinosaur. <laughs> all I remember is the big monkey and the fucking dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> 
I do feel so bad for Zeke overall. Um, and it, it's really disapp- disappointing to see how Grisha and Dina raised their son. Um, I don't know, like you, you wanted to believe this this whole show that Grisha was more heroic than what he actually was. And I, I think he still was heroic and Dina was heroic, um, even though they both had tragic endings. But it just kind of like sours all of that when you see how they treated Zeke. And now it is from Zeke's perspective. Yeah, I was going to say he could be an unreliable narrator. Yeah. Or, you know, from Grisha and Dina's perspective, they may have thought they were doing the right thing because, again, they're so hellbent on their end goal. But I think it's it's undeniable that the whole thing is very, very sad. Um, they were basically absent parents. You have that one moment where... Um, Zeke's grandparents come over to, you know, spend the the evening with him. And uh, Grisha's dad kind of questions like, oh, you have to, to go to your dance club or whatever the fuck it is. Social club. Social club. Um, you do that again. You know, Zeke misses you. He wants to spend time with you. And you can kind of see him just, you know, be very sad that his parents are leaving him once again. And really, all he really wanted was for his parents to be there for him and be proud of him. Um, You can see how happy he was when he was studying with Grisha. And then he says, you know, just the right answer. And Grisha praises him for understanding all the things that he was teaching him. Um, And I I just, I don't know, the the sheer disappointment on Grisha's face, like multiple times in this episode was like a gut punch. Like as the viewer, I'm like, damn, dude, that sucks. (laughs) That just sucks for Zeke. So, you know, specifically when um, Zeke is trying his best during the the trainings uh, i don't know what he was running with a bunch of shit on his backpack and and in his arms and he's lagging very far behind everyone he looks over at his parents who are observing him and you just get this like in your face shot of like pure disappointment and horror from grisha and they just walk away from him they walk away from mm-hmm. him while they're while, while he's training and he sees all of that like that is fucked up and i think the most impressive part um of this episode not like impressive from like a storytelling perspective but impressive from a voice acting perspective is that quick moment i think maybe right after that scene Mm -hmm. where grisha's voice actor is screaming about zeke not being good enough their whole plan falling apart because zeke you know can't perform well enough to become a warrior candidate and then zeke hearing all of that like Grisha's voice actor nailed that. That was some gruesome screaming that he did. You can yeah. feel just the the disappointment and the frustration that he was evoking in that moment. And then Zeke's face is like the cherry on top. Like he heard all of that. Can you imagine just trying your fucking hardest and, and just wanting to please your parents and then be proud of you? And then your dad is having a fucking meltdown because <laughs> you're not physically fit to do something that he wants you to do. Like damn dude and on that point it's interesting to see the similarities between zeke's upbringing with i guess aaron and also falco's um, because they too were pretty incompetent when it came to their training aaron with uh becoming a scout and falco also being like a reluctant candidate for the armored titan um so it's interesting that there are parallels there um with with zeke's story Zeke also questions at one point if his parents are even concerned at all for his safety. Um, I think it's at the dinner table when he sees his dad just continuing to look disappointed at him. And he says, you know, you guys shouldn't do these dangerous things anymore or I might end up like my aunt. And that, of course, just sets his dad off. And 
I think that's a, a totally fair point, but also kind of a sad point for a young child to question. Like, do you even care about me enough to be concerned about my safety? You're dragging me into this and that's not okay. Mm -hmm. One thing that I kind of took away from this episode and it's like kind of, I guess, indirectly related to Zeke is that no one really knows how to bring true freedom uh, to the Eldian people. Uh, whether it's, you know, the scouts on Paradis or I guess the Jaegerists in their um, glorious cause or even Zeke with his plan of euthanasia. Uh, but hearkening back to what I had said in our discussion for episode 73, I think that Aaron is the key to the right answer to all of this. Although he's pretty much been acting like an emo kid in this later half of the of the of uh, season four um i think he has a long game in mind or has a plan in mind as much as zeke had this whole um convoluted plan to to meet up with aaron to utilize the founding titan's powers um yeah i think aaron might be manipulating zeke as much as zeke thinks he is manipulating him although it's not I guess that uh, that scene where we see Zeke and Aaron just, uh, have a conversation with each other when Aaron infiltrates Marley, it's more so that they both come to uh, a mutual understanding of the situation because Zeke asks if he agrees that Eldian should be euthanized and Aaron, without a doubt, says yes. Um, but I, again, I think it, this is all a facade for Aaron to actually carry out whatever his true plan may be yeah this is just my theory but i'm i'm holding out a, a sliver of hope that it's true no i'm right there with you i'm equally not convinced that aaron actually wants the euthanasia um there was that that scene between cassaver and zeke i think right before zeke ate cassaver <laughs> and took his titan power um, where they were talking about um, some new information that he obtained about the founding Titan. And Xavier was very specific in saying that um, Zeke can't control the power of the founding Titan. He's just the key to unlock the lock. He says something like, the power isn't yours to use. It lies with the wielder. The founding Titan needs to be someone you trust. So Aaron needs the key, which is Zeke. But once it's unlocked, his powers are unlocked, he can technically do whatever the fuck he wants and mm -hmm. Zeke can't stop him. Um, so I, I feel like you're on the right track, that there's something else here. Similar to the previous episode where, you know, Aaron's saying that he hates Mikasa and beats the shit out of Armin. Like, there's something, there's another reason he's doing that. Um, there's another reason here, I think, why Aaron is going along so willingly and so quickly with Zeke's plan. So maybe Grisha's second chance didn't become a failure. <laughs> well. I know. And I, I think about um, this whole backstory about Grisha's, uh, how he raised Zeke. Have we gotten nearly this much detail on the type of father that Grisha was to, to Aaron? Because I, I, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen some of the, the earlier episodes, but I can't really recall getting a lot of context around Grisha and Aaron's relationship. And if, if that's the case, that may be intentional so that we don't see, perhaps, Grisha kind of do things the right way the second time. But I have no clue. That's just kind of me pulling some shit out of my ass. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been so long since we've seen those episodes. The one that comes to mind the most is obviously first episode of the first season 
but I think that's when like Grisha leaves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, right before uh, Colossal Titan shows up, um, and you only get like glimpses and flashes of when Grisha gives Aaron the found or gives Aaron his Titan powers. So yeah, you really don't see them interaction besides again that initial episode and those those brief glimpses throughout the rest of the seasons um but maybe yeah like you said it, it's intentional there was a a specific line too that zeke had that also kind of caught my ear and he says if we hadn't been born we wouldn't have to suffer and when i when i saw this or read this um i kind of thought that sounds like similar but the opposite of what aaron has always said and it's that's that phrase of because i was born in this world and basically, another reason why I'm kind of not convinced by Aaron wanting the euthanasia is that I feel like Aaron and Zeke have very opposite views of the world. Aaron kind of believes that the world is terrible and needs to be fixed so that humanity can be saved and live peacefully, whereas Zeke believes that humans are terrible and that they need to be fixed or rather euthanized so that the world can be saved and become peaceful. And you can kind of see this in the way that they view or kind of the what they view as the quote-unquote enemy like Aaron says that anyone who harms the people of Paradise or threatens them and their existence is the enemy so basically Marley and the rest of the world Mm -hmm. but then Zeke doesn't really fixate on one group of people he kind of looks at all people in the same way which is also what has made his character and motivations incredibly ambiguous and difficult to pin down and I think we've talked about this in, in some earlier episodes for season four that I just, I feel like it's so hard to read Zeke. And I, I think that this is why, this is the answer to kind of my confusion around that is like, he's just treating everyone the same because he feels that all people are kind of the the issue here. Although maybe the Eldians a little more so. But you have had, again, going back to the concept of uh, Aaron and, and the because I was born into this world line, Aaron has said, I think in the past, that one of the greatest gifts is being born into this world, even if it's a shitty world right now. So like, you can't go and say those things and then like suddenly think that the problem is actually the humans, that everyone needs to be euthanized and disappear. Like that just Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense to me. Unless you really are that cynical now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I don't know if this is also a key indicator of, you know, Aaron having his own scheme, but did you notice that... when he's talking to Zeke, he says the same line that he says to Reiner. That he has to keep moving forward? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Interesting. It, yeah. Like, it's just, it slipped in there, and you I don't know if it's meant to be, like, not noticeable, but when we watched this a second time, um, that line stuck out a lot. And, again, I don't know if there's any significance to that, but... It's probably his subtle reminder that he has his particular goal, Mm -hmm. whatever the fuck that is at this point, because I don't know, man. Like, we're getting a bunch of possibilities for Aaron's mentality here. I guess in that sense, it's almost like when Zeke was in that war room and he mentioned, like, saying stuff like, oh, not here. Yeah, something about, like, because he knew that the the Marley military leaders were listening in on their conversations. So, yeah, I feel like this is also just a coded message um, of Aaron possibly having his plans of his own. Yeah, and only Reiner really understands what the fuck that line means at this point. (laughs) The final scene of this episode, which, um, you know, is giving you mad anxiety, Mm. is Zeke and heroing and triggering that uh that 
thunder spear in his side and blowing up the cart and lighting that poor horse on fire. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And I just want to say like the only way that Zeke finally gets an upper hand on Levi in battle is that he has to (laughs) self-destruct. That's the only way you can stop my boy. The detail in the animation for this final scene with the explosion was crazy good. The look in Zeke's eye, because I think they only zoom in on one of his eyes, um, was like phenomenal. It just it was so incredibly detailed. And then the the terror, the complete terror that was like washed across Levi's face as he realized that the the thunder spear was about to go off. Oh my god, it was it was so good. Like Mappa did such a fantastic job in this this last scene of the episode. You could just really feel like that whole that whole like oh shit here we go guys like shit's going down and then of course mm-hmm. they cut to to the uh, end card. No, yeah, I think the direction of that scene was just great because not only do you get those nice visuals, um, the the moment that like all the sound stops and then everything is slowed down, it's like you know this is a a very pivotal moment and it's like you it sets up something very I guess strange moving forward because the whole plan here was for Zeke to meet up with Aaron. But now that Zeke has an heroed or seemingly well, an heroed. I don't think he's dead. Unless you yeah. see him die, I don't think he's dead. True. But if he were dead, like what does that mean for Aaron? I guess. I think he's wholeheartedly banking on the Thunder Spear, blowing him up, but just enough where he can regenerate mm-hmm. and then also taking Levi with him. Yeah. But we didn't really see confirmation of Levi dying, so fingers crossed. He's still he's still alive and breathing, but you know, who knows? At at this point, anyone on this show can go on the chopping block. So, and we didn't really see anything in the preview either that like alluded to what the fate was of of Zeke and Levi. And of course, that's intentional. Like they're not going to give away that shit in the preview. But speaking of the preview. Um, it looks like we're going to get a lot of context around Yelena and like what she's been up to recently with all the shit going down. Um, you get imagery of or images of the scouts in the jail cell and then Yelena's visiting them and then Nikolos pissed the fuck off. And I'm just like sitting here thinking, yay, Nikolos with the scouts. Like, okay, I'm glad they're all still together because uh-huh. I fucking love Nikolos. <laughs> uh, so we'll see what, what kind of comes out of this episode, but it's the last episode for mm-hmm. what is supposed to be this final season. And I think it's pretty clear at this point, there's got to be more to the story that we're going to get from the anime perspective because the manga is still going and technically ends in April. Yeah, there's no way that this story just ends here. There's no way. There was no way. Because <laughs> yeah, for this to be the final episode of the series, it doesn't even look like a finale. It's just presenting what's been going on outside of, you know, Zeke and Aaron's uh, crusade. I feel like they're going to give us... Okay, my my theory is hopefully we're going to get a part two of the season, which would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to leave us with some like insane cliffhanger, probably a worse cliffhanger than we got for this episode with the, the cart explosion. And it's going to be gruesome because we're going to have to wait several weeks, maybe even several months before we get... Several years. <laughs> God, let's hope not. Before we get the the rest of the story. And I think we've talked about this before. Some people are speculating that they'll go the movie route instead of a second half to the season. And while that's been a big success for Demon Slayer, I just don't think 
that a two-hour movie is enough time to give the story a proper ending. Mm Because if you think about it, that's maybe like, what, four, maybe six episodes if you, you know, cut out the opening and the ending and trim them down to 20 minutes. (laughs) Like, you're only getting a handful of episodes and there's so much more to the story that, you know, manga readers are alluding to. And I want to see this have a, a proper ending. And we need to see linked horizon or hear linked horizon one more time yes bring them back for the opening (laughs) i'm sure they have had all this time to cook up something really special for our ears if they go the route of a part two for for television um because it just wouldn't seem right to have attack on titan without linked horizon filling us with musical goodness And that brings us to our final thoughts for episode 74 of Attack on Titan, Soul Salvation. How many beast balls out of 10 would you give this episode? I would give it a 9, which I was not expecting for a backstory episode. And we've gotten other backstory episodes in this show, but none of them have been this good and this telling of a character and and what shaped them. Um, I think that a lot of people who hate Zeke are now like unsure about him. And I, that, that to me signals good storytelling. If you can cook up a character who is so, um, frustrating and ambiguous to the point where people really distrust and dislike them. And then for them to step away from this episode thinking, shit, I understand everything this person went through and now I kind of feel for them and I maybe don't hate them as much as I thought I did. Like that's that's brilliant writing in my mind. I don't know if you can ever do that with Gabby though. Hmm. It would have to be a really compelling story for me to ever start to have any sympathy for her. But they did that with Zeke and I think they did it just right. But what about you? What's your rating? I feel like we flipped our ratings between this episode and the last episode i would give this an eight and a half out of ten is it because levi might die (laughs) maybe (laughs) but no it's a good episode in showcasing like how complex and compelling zeke is as a villain and it adds a little bit more color to his shades of gray and kind of capitalizing on your talk about him as this very engaging villain it kind of reminds me about reminds me of what Adam Driver once said about um, the best villains um, is that they don't think they're evil. They just think they're right. Um, And that's kind of the case that you see here with Zeke. Like he's not going with this really fucked up plan about euthanizing Eldia because he, he just wants to be evil. Like they're like, you see the reasons in, in his upbringing and in his interactions with Xaver or Kassaver, um, of why he's thinking this way. And, you know, in his mind, he thinks it's justified. But, you know, again, I feel like Aaron is the key to undoing all of that. So we'll see if Zeke has removed himself from the equation, although it, there's a likelihood that he is still in play, what Aaron's going to do moving forward, because Historia is still still at play too even though he's really committed to not having her get involved in any of this stuff and it's interesting because she's pregnant yeah what's going on with historia yeah. <laughs> what the hell's going on with her okay uh, like yeah. how far along is she now but also like her being pregnant kind of negates everything that um that zeke was pursuing with this episode about you know sterilizing 
the Eldian people so that they don't bear children. I wonder if he knows that she's pregnant. I think they're kind of keeping it relatively hush-hush. Like the military police knows mm-hmm. and then a couple other people, it seems. But no one's really talked about it. So I'm curious to know if he knows and what his thoughts are. Probably pissed off. <laughs> yeah, so um, it'll be interesting to see if Historia ever comes into play um, or comes back into play with this story. Uh, but yeah. In our final, in the final episode for season four, quote unquote final episode, we might not get an answer to that question. Wait, but really quick, if Aaron has any kind of like influence in Historia getting pregnant, I'm still not convinced it's his child. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm sure he had some influence in her deciding to get pregnant. That should tell you right there that he's probably not on board with the euthanasia plan because why mm-hmm. would he have her get pregnant no, yeah. if he doesn't want her to have kids? No, yeah, that was my point exactly. Yeah. Like with, with him agreeing with the Z, it's like this doesn't add up. Well, we shall see. One episode left, people. Oh, my God. And then we'll wait a couple more years. No. <laughs> <laughs> And that wraps up this special episode of Strictly Anime. New special episodes release every Wednesday following the new episode of Attack on Titan, and this is an addition to our regular schedule for Strictly Anime. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly series, and be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every other Monday. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series and connect with us there or on our website, thestrictlyseries.com to share your thoughts on the anime that we review. You'll also find more info on Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. Sasageyo. Shinzo wo sasageyo.